This is this is a good one. Is this going to be a good? Do you, sm- do you smell that? <laughs> or you can't smell anything. You have allergy issues. No, actually, this is getting through the allergy issues. Wow, it smells like grapefruit My office juice or smells something. Smells amazing, mm. which is quite <sighs> a difference from the normal <laughs> perspective of my office. <laughs> um, this place looks pretty interesting, and I, uh, I I'm looking at the picture. What, of pla- funk what place? Br- oh, okay. Brewing, <laughs> funk brewing. Um, it looks like an old uh, garage or something. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of those around here, actually. There's a few up in uh, Ephrata. There's one in Westchester. In what like did you say about me? The kind of <laughs> Ephrata hmm. is the name of a town, uh, and and they t- like take these old, you know, abandoned garages, like car garages, yeah. service service stations, and uh, convert them into breweries. I'm totally nice. okay with it. Sure. Yeah. So this is uh, sent to it sent to us by our uh, the same guy who sent us the last Contin- one of continued these continued friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. This he's, one is he's called- just a friend. <laughs> he's a friend that <laughs> happens to like to send us beer. So I'm totally okay with it. This is an Imperial India Pale Ale brewed with mango juice. Mm. It smells funk unbelievable. brewing double citrus. Funk? Yep. Thanks, Nate. Wow. I can't, I can't. This is just... I can't, I can't handle this. It looks like orange juice, which is a good sign. Oh, my gosh. I just... Let's, I just want to... All right. Let's taste it. Screw it. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so let's do some quick math. Yeah. How much okay. do you think a can of this costs? It's a pretty big can. Uh... It's a big can. It's a it's sixteen pounder. ounce. I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna guess that this the four packs are fifteen dollars. That's my guess. For four pack. If I wanted to fill a tub with it, <laughs> what are we looking at? Uh, maybe that two thousand dollars. You think that would spoil the flavor in ways mm. that I can't even imagine? <sighs> yeah, this is really good. Wow. So if you ever in uh, wherever this is, there's several. There's two locations, I think. Let me see. Uh, Elizabethtown and Emmaus. If you're in either of those places, Pennsylvania, um, go to Funk Brewing because this stuff is really, really good beer. Wow. And I think I'm benefiting from mine's not that cold, which probably made it much better. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely a. Uh, a beer I would have around, like just below room temperature. Yeah, this is. Um, I had mine in the fridge, but it it never got down to like mm. full full fridge temperature. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're so scientific so these days. Yeah, it's well. I don't have a laser temperature gauge like you do. I, 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 I have it around here, but I have I moved and then I moved offices. My wife decided she wanted to switch offices with me, so I packed everything up and. Threw it all in my little bindle and marched over to another room, <laughs> and now I have a different different office. But uh, and don't know where anything is. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where my scientific device is <laughs> to measure beer temperature. Well, I've been drinking beer out of cans for the last month or so um, because I've been drinking uh, things wrong with like Hetty. Yeah, um, but I'm pouring this one into the glass because I like the color of it. Oh, you've it's been drinking. Cloudy. You've been drinking straight out of the can, like straight out of the yeah. can. Yeah, this is the first time I've like been beer in a while. Like a like a monster, just bite bite actually, into the side of it and 
<laughs> well, you know, some of those cans, like the Heady Topper, they say to drink it out of the mm. can. So yeah. I've been doing that a little bit. Oh, I thought they went out of the bathroom. I've been, I've been doing this <laughs> so wrong. Excuse me, dear. I'm going oh, to go drink my oh, beer. <laughs> That's wrong in a lot of ways. Holy crow. Uh, boy. So, um, speaking of not very scientific, let's, uh, let's yeah. talk about the show topic. Yeah, the show topic is something that you and I, you got me interested in a podcast probably two years ago, maybe around there. And, uh, and I've been listening ever since. And it's, it's great podcast. And they, they came up with the topic and discussed it for, Three episodes, mm-hmm. and we thought it would be worth talking about because it's pretty darn interesting. <laughs> yeah, so the show is You Are Not So Smart, and I really – what is it? Dave Graney, I think. Is his first name Dave? Dave Graney. Dave, yeah. Dave, um, Dave Graney. Great, great, great podcast, but also he's super smart, and he has good guests on, and he covers interesting topics. But it's also one of those few shows that uh, – I really feel it makes me a better person. <laughs> like his topics do. Like after sitting yeah. and listening to it, I'm like, oh, I do that. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Let's not do that yeah. anymore. <laughs> it uh, the, the the subtext or the subtitle of the podcast is a celebration of self delusion, which is a great way to to describe mm-hmm. it because it generally uh, he takes a topic uh, that is. Uh, something you you don't really think about, and then he breaks it down, and then you you leave thinking that you're wildly broken. Although it's just you just it's normal you're, brain yeah, stuff. Yeah, normally broken. You, you're broken like everybody yeah, else. You're normally broken, exactly. Uh, so he you know, on a recent episode, he did one about uh, like a magician. You know, they were talking about like how uh, he interviewed a magician and kind of like a not a con artist, but like somebody who studies scams and, and stuff like that and, and broke down how they what, work what and they, why they work, how they work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it really is, is kind of brain stuff, stuff that uh, goes, you know, back to our ancestry yeah. in a way. And he's covered, <laughs> his shows have covered like all the major um, Psychological biases that everybody's really popular is really popular to discuss now at parties, right? Like all the yeah conf- confirmation bias and all of those you know, things. survivorship bias, all these like you know things that used to just be textbook studies now um, seem to come out in normal conversation. Yeah, uh, just like pop culture speech. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So he he did a series about a thing called the backfire effect, um, which. You know, like I said, it was a three-parter, and man, it is really pretty timely. It gets to the heart of yeah, it gets to the heart of of where we are right now uh, in the last year or so. And you and I have been going back and forth about you know wringing our hands about the state of the world, and uh, and the backfire effect. I think is something that is very um, kind of close to our hearts in a way because it, it comes up so often, and I guess. You see it happen, but you can never really put a. I never was able to put a word to well, it. How about or you a term uh, to it? describe it? Yeah. Um, well, the the main thrust of it is uh, when your deepest convic- convictions and beliefs are uh, confronted with uh, alternate. Facts, like con- contradictory <laughs> evidence, right? The alternate facts, not is alternate not a facts. Thing. I, I'm going not, to stop you right uh, there, okay? Because well, he I hits on that exact it, thing of like he does, yeah. Words matter. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So good point. So when they're challenged by con- contradictory evidence, mm-hmm. okay, good. then your beliefs get stronger. And he goes into why that is and what causes it and right. how it's kind of a natural thing to do, but also did some some kind of brain, you know, interviewed some folks who did some brain studies about physically what happens when that when that takes place. So I don't know. Is yeah, it, so how do you want to approach cool. this? Oh, it's a big, it's a big it, topic. And yeah, I would say first, his approach wasn't purely political at all, and he doesn't take a, a particular side to like, oh, this party is totally bonkers and this party is totally not. Um, but he does use some political examples of how, and particularly along the lines of like studies that they've done. And, and so they weren't with real politicians or real political positions. It was, you know, fabricated for the purpose of the study. So don't be afraid to listen to it. Uh, if you're, if you've been avoiding politics, it won't cross the line. Um, but I think it's, it's worthwhile listening to all three episodes because he does this kind of like, uh, arc isn't the right description. It's more of like the sine wave where it starts off and it gets really depressing by the time you get, to get, get into episode two. <laughs> and then episode three kind of gives you that little glimmer of hope of like, well, you know, the first step is to recognize this as a thing. And then he uh, talks with some experts in the field that they they discuss potential strategies to avoid the backfire effect and whether or not it, you're just we're just doomed. Meaning, once we believe something, even evidence to the contrary uh, will be rejected, and we'll just always believe the thing we want to believe, no matter what. Um, which is not the case. So I, I it's not, but. Yeah, I was going to say, so So, yeah, the, the three episodes are episodes 93, 94, and 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like you said, the first one is the neuroscience of changing your mind. That is really kind of, he lays out, like, what is the backfire effect? How do, what does changing your mind even mean? You know, like, that just kind of lays the ground level. What do, the second what do opinions one, even mean? He, he, I thought yeah. that was really interesting. And, and what I was hoping to do is talk about what this means to you specifically, not necessarily mm-hmm. like recap the show, like every episode of the show, because I think that that's an injustice to the, to the show. Um, mm-hmm. But he does, they start off with like even just the basic of like, what is it to have an opinion? Like, what is it to have a belief? in something. Mm -hmm. Why do we have a belief? What is, what constitutes a basis for it? And then what does that belief mean in our psychology? Um, I thought that was very interesting. And from my perspective, it really made me think about like how we decide what our belief system is and what, what defines us. Well, it also, um, it lends some, not, I don't know. Comfort seems too strong a word, but like, you know, really, when you start examining yourself in the context of this information, you start thinking about, like, well, why would you do that? Like, I don't do that. And then you start thinking about it, and you're like, oh, I, I do do that, you know? And so, it, it, like you said, it doesn't really matter what side of the aisle you're on mm-hmm. uh, or what side of the argument, because it's kind of, he, he explains how it is actually a physical phenomena. It's not just a... We can't escape you know, it. Like, it's, it has nothing yeah. to do with intelligence. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with your background or whether or not you've been to school or or what like he pointed out even people that are experts in this topic suffer from the same consequences right they have the exact same effect no one exists yeah. without a, without opinions and without beliefs um, yeah it's crazy 
Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Um, so how do you want to start out? Um, well, I guess, other than we just did start out. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Well, <laughs> good show. Talk to you later. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious. Not, again, I don't want to go through every little detail of it because I think the show's worthwhile. But were there specific things that you felt affected you? And that you yeah, you um, want to like put in a little glass bottle and carry around your neck, like these little like of. gems. Well, so I guess one of the things that it made me think about, and I don't want to get too hippy dippy, but uh, one of the things that that when you read about things related to meditation and Buddhism is they talk about how uh, they they kind of outline this exact thing, like you kind of are. Uh, what you you envision that what you are are your your belief systems, right? You don't think about it that way, um, but you are made up of your opinions on things and your memories of things, and and it kind of accretes. And we never really look at it uh, in an unbiased way because it is who it's kind of how we are wired. Right. We just like, we just know, say like I do, I don't think people should marry their sisters. Um, and we shouldn't eat babies and right. And we shouldn't punch right. innocent people in the face for no reason. And that's your belief right. system. That's cool. Uh, why you put it together? <laughs> yeah, why? yeah, exactly. Where did it come from and, and how did you come to hold it? And there are certain things that just, uh, are part of what you think and act upon, but you never really scrutinize them as to yeah. where it came from and why it is the way it is. And so I found that when he was talking about the, um, one of the things I found really interesting, uh, and it was one of the main thrusts of, I forget which episode it was, but he talked about how when you are uh, confronted with contradictory evidence to what you believe, your your brain registers it as a almost a physical attack. Well, not almost, a, it, it, like when the same yeah, parts the same. of the brain the light up. as if somebody uh, attacks you yeah. physically. Yeah. Yeah. And what's what I what really like step two of that is that your first reaction uh, is kind of similar to how you would react if you're getting attacked, which is to become more uh, uh, convinced that your incorrect view is the right one. Um, so I think one of his examples, uh, he went through a, a number of like really kind of light examples that were apolitical, et cetera, but like. You know, you tell, uh, you know, people kind of hear this myth that the the Great Wall of China is the only man-made thing you can see from space. Um, And that has become part of our belief system. We don't really question it because, okay, that sounds interesting. Great. You know, we don't think about it. You internalize it as a fact. Yeah, you internalize it. Exactly. You internalize it as a fact. But when somebody says, actually, you can see a lot of man-made things from space, not just the Great Wall of China, but, you know, and they list a whole bunch of other ones. Because we don't have any intrinsic self tied to the thought of the Great Wall of China being seen from space, we're like, hmm, that's interesting. And then we interpret that new thing as a fact. Yeah, and we, up, we update our knowledge and our basis for understanding with that new fact. Right. No problem. We're like, okay, yep, that's fine. Now I believe that new thing. Right. But, because you didn't identify yourself with the fact that the Wall of China became, right. you know, was, was seen from space. But when you start identifying who you are with a a fact uh, or a belief, 
and someone challenges that, it's it's as if they are challenging a part of yourself, right. which I find and really interesting. Some of the, some of the examples really you hit on, like there's obviously the political ones and then um, pro-life anti-abortion and then um, GMO and – you know, he hits on these things that are like big hot button items for most people because that's how they define themselves. Like, are you for vaccination or not? And typically that's a big part of like what you believe about the world. And, and that once it becomes your part of your self image, that Mm -hmm. that's when, that's when that whole, like, Oh, it's, it's actually registered as a physical attack when somebody attacks your self image. It's the same right. thing as, you know, calling you a liar or whatever, and you have the same kind of emotional response. And then the backfire right. effect is, uh, strangely, you you don't you don't become more receptive to information; you become less receptive. So you reject more after that first initial fact bomb is dropped on you, which I think right. is where a lot of people go wrong when they're making arguments, right? I'm not, right. talking, not talking about debates, like structured debates where each side takes a side and then tries to make a convincing argument. That's a different thing. This is an argument about personal, you know, something that is personal to you and, and um, important to you. Then a lot of the yeah. mistakes are the approaches. Oh, if I just, what do you call it? A disparity of knowledge or something like that? Like a lot of people yeah. take this, yeah, take right. this pers- perspective of like, oh, well, you just don't know enough and that's why you have the wrong opinion and if i just tell you the facts that you'll totally change your mind they're like no it doesn't work that's what the backfire effect is it goes the other way and the more facts you drop um the more they're going to reject not only those new facts but the original basis and the less they're going to even um subconsciously assemble those new pieces of information into a new uh, you know, storyline. And I, I yeah, found that I think, really interesting given how, how Twitter operates. <laughs> yeah. Given where we are. And I think that this made me, and he may have touched on it. If he did, I, I forget, but the thing that I find, uh, which is a follow on effect then, and, and kind of a, a really interesting kind of situation of our current, you know, news and uh, everything is that that um, because people react so badly to having their kind of, in, in essence, their kind of like tribal belief systems on all sides, right? Like once those, once you have some facts pushed down on you that you don't agree with, you can go back to your your tribe, like your your followers on Twitter or your Facebook wall or whatever, and reaffirm the things that you found were being proved incorrect. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you can kind of say, ah, you know, you can kind of seek, you can seek your comfort in the face of those, those, you know, conflicting facts and, and kind of then put it aside and not have to worry about it again until you're confronted with it again. But it's uh, yeah. Like the the phenomena and I see it a lot and I, boy, am I guilty of trying to just say, man, if you just, understand what I understand. Mm-hmm. You won't think the stupid thing you think. Like I, <laughs> I do that all the time. And, and that may be fine. If, if that may, may be somewhat true given episode three of the show. Um, but there is, there's a threshold that you have to cross through of like, you have to dump a huge amount of new information 
on them, new facts, but also that can't be all at once. And I thought that right. was really another interesting aspect of it's not about the total number of facts that you're going to provide. It's about the duration that those new facts are presented over, right? It has to be con- yeah. like almost constant of, um, well, we'll, we'll get to that. So on yeah. the, on the, um, side of, uh, what you, what you learned or what, what you mm-hmm. thought about this, um, do you, given the, like they pretty much unequivocally state you can't get away from this. Like this, there's nothing, right. there's no magic that like suddenly you won't be susceptible to the backfire effect. Everybody is, whether they, right. uh, whether they want to admit it or not, it, it happens. It's a biological phenomenon we can't avoid, but, um, you know, they, they give a little light at the end of the tunnel of like, but there are things you can do to help, you know, make yourself aware of it. Like when you feel that, mm-hmm. that anxiety of like, here's a new fact that you don't like. Like for me, a lot of times it's the facts about gun control, right? I'm a, mm-hmm. a gun control proponent, uh, let's say. And when I hear mm-hmm. facts that are contrary to that, my first response is to like get a little bristly about like that's just made up, <laughs> fake news, oh right. fake news, yeah, yeah um, exactly, or not just made up, but like out of context, or it's it's manipulated in some way, and mm-hmm. and the reality is m- probably more along the lines of like, well, it's complicated, <laughs> it, it's probably it could be very well be true. And it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that my initial position is incorrect, um, but that I should still absorb that information and assess it to see if it is true, and then then mm-hmm. then put Test that it. put that in line with the other facts that I'm basing things on. Yeah, and I think it goes back to the point I was trying to make before um, poorly in that in that once you are confronted with a a thing that is confl- you know is kind of conflicting with what you believe, you can run back to your your crowd and not have to take that fact on board. Right? You you can just ignore it. You can go back to ignoring it because mm-hmm. the people who are surrounding you are now still telling you what you thought. Yeah, that was feels true pretty before. good. So it's it's a relief. <laughs> that feels you know, real you, good. That, that's, that's again. That's actually <laughs> another reason why I left Twitter because mm-hmm. I felt the feedback cycle was unhealthy. Of the mm-hmm. the you know selectively choosing um, that bubble and who was in it, and then making sure that I only got the things that you know tickled my little uh, lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I did the same thing mainly because I felt not just that, but I also felt that there was such a um, uh, an avoidance of conversation. It was just kind of like someone says something, and the people who believe that give it the, a star or a heart or whatever they do now, and the people who don't send waves of of hate tweets at them and don't. So so either people are like. Ah yes, I agree with you, and everybody raises their thumbs up to each other, and everybody feels good. Or the other side comes at them full force uh, to the contrary, and nobody's trying to kind of understand what the other side is mm-hmm. saying. And some of it's more extreme than others, but I still think overall, um, the f- like you said, the feedback loop, the um, well, the backfire effect. It is it, yeah. it, it yeah. is a um, <laughs> Extremely good example of the backfire effect is just watching Twitter of like a little piece of fact drips in and everybody's like, 
no, that's wrong. It can't be yep. true. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, un, it's unpleasant of... <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> um, so, and... so what do you, what do you uh, what do you take away from it? What are you doing differently, or how, how do you how do well, you internalize think... these new facts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that it was. I hate to say that the way I t- took on these facts was to feel good about it, having confirmed previous facts. But <laughs> you know, like I said, the, are you, the meditation really—sure, this isn't just a backfire effect. Such yeah. a, exactly, <laughs> uh, meditation and and uh, all of the reading about you know Buddhist theory really did kind of it made me think about that stuff again. And I hadn't really been meditating in a while and I hadn't been uh, really thinking about that stuff at all. But in listening to this podcast, I was like, it, it all kind of came back to the, to, to the forefront. Um, and so one of the things I'm trying to do is get back to uh, meditating again. Um, I'm not in a total regular habit, but I think what that does, what it did for me, I don't know if it would, does for everybody, but um, it really does help me if, especially if I do it a lot and practice a lot when I'm in the middle of reinforcing my previous beliefs or my current beliefs, I guess you could say when somebody comes to me with a, you know, uh, X, Y, Z, uh, political person is, you know, doing this and that is, this is true and whatever my, I, I'm trying to be cognizant of my initial reaction. Like, am I reacting with this backfire? <laughs> I know you very well, and I know that's very hard for you. Oh my <laughs> when, god, it's when, so hard. When a piece of information comes along, and it's like, uh, well, you know, maybe this actually thing that Paul Ryan did wasn't so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's real hard to like be like, oh, my oh it's God. terrible. Um, oh yeah, or, or and, and it's funny you, because you and I always we we go at that a little bit of we just sure like, do. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is actually really crap, and and uh, yeah, and that that well, can be and hard. I'm, and and I'm not saying that just because somebody says something I disagree with doesn't mean that I'm not right. You know, because I think you can, but I think part of it is setting a feedback loop up in your own brain so that you can watch what your mind is doing. Like, you know, so that you can catch that feedback loop happening when you can feel like I was, when you feel it. Yeah. I'll recognize the feeling. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I was in a meeting, uh, last week and, uh, at work and, uh, someone said something in that meeting. just, I knew it was bullshit. And my first reaction, uh, is to generally become extremely defensive and try and correct the bullshit, right? Like right. that's my You're first liar. You know, <laughs> yeah, like that's not true. Here's the you know meeting notes, blah blah blah. Like, and I think what I tried to do now is to completely recognize my initial reaction to come back with that information because it never helps when you do that. In fact. Now that I know it's confirmation bias, like that other person may actually believe that they're right. Like it's just forcing me to think about the situation rather than give my knee jerk reaction. Right. Which mm-hmm. in, in, even if I am right and they're wrong or they're right and I'm wrong, it gives me that even a second of pause to question what I'm thinking and doing, which I think mm-hmm. is really all I can ask for, given, like you said, how I generally react to these things. 
<laughs> yeah. Whoops. <clears throat> um, so what, what did you take out of this? And like, how is it, well, how is it react? I mean, is, is the Twitter ban part of this or is this something mm, that you no, kind of underlined the Twitter ban for you? The, the, it, this just kind of reinforces why I, my, uh, not on Twitter. Um, I had other reasons to not be on Twitter too. Uh, mm-hmm. but more to like the first two episodes are about like learning of, of the show are about learning, like what the causes of the backfire effects, you know, the, the scientific and psychological basis for it. So for the, as far as that goes, what I, I'm trying to do is recognize when I feel emotional about something because that I think was a very clear point about this is the you don't experience this with simple facts like you know as you, as you pointed out the seeing the great wall of china from space it's only things that you're kind of emotionally tied to so what I've been trying mm-hmm. to do is like if I feel like my initial response is emotional or something I like try to think why what is so mm-hmm. important to me about this and is this one of those things that define that I think defines myself? And if it is, then just kind of pay attention that I may be ejecting facts that don't fit with that perspective. Don't you think all of the things that you think in one way or another are part of what you consider yourself though? Mm. Like even the things that are not a big deal are still things that are kind of, you know, you, you see them as, established thoughts or beliefs that you Yeah, but you some, have. Are, some are much more superficial. Like, uh, you know, if somebody told you that death metal stunk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe you are the person that's like, to you, that's a part of, of your identity and you're, you have an emotional response to that. But at my age now, I don't really care. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like part of my, some of the music I listen to, I'm sure sucks for other people mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. And I don't get, have an emotional response to that. But like, you know, somebody challenging an idea that I have in a way that I feel like, um, you know, is that I do see myself have an emotional response to. That's when I stop. I'm like, why is that important to me? What part of that Mm -hmm. is important to me? Is it that, you know, I want to feel like an expert or that I want to feel like, um, my, my history wasn't wasted. Like I didn't waste time getting say, to yeah, where you, I was. You put, yeah. You put the work in to build up these beliefs based on, you know, facts, scientific facts, as you know them. And when somebody says, you know, climate change isn't real or, you know, the evolution isn't real. You've got, you know, college and you've got all, all the, you've got years and years of building up this mental, understanding this mental picture of the understanding of, of science, you know, facts as you know them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and sometimes I come out of thinking about it and I'm just like, no, they're wrong. That's fine. I I do like, yeah, my response to this is, is emotional because I spent 40 years learning how this thing works. And now like I have somebody who spent no time learning how it worked and then having a, a quote fact bomb dropped on me from them is like, mm-hmm. no, they really, they really don't know what they're talking about. And it's, it is somewhat insulting <laughs> to my, to me as a person to have that um, laid out. Yeah, there. It's interesting though, because I think the me of 15 years ago 
would be very interested in convincing that person that the the logic bomb they dropped that they thought they dropped was not correct based on <laughs> yeah. my understanding of the facts right like it would be it would be very important for me to for them to know that how wrong they were <laughs> um and i don't really do that anymore like so the death metal thing's a good example because it makes me think about um as i get older and as my kind of, you know, I'd be naive to think that my view, my views about what's important and what isn't after falling off my bike two years ago, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be naive to think that that hasn't changed how I feel about what's important and what isn't, right? So if someone were to say death metal sucks and, you know, I don't take that as, having the follow on sentence and you suck for liking it, which I think I <laughs> yeah, used to. Right. There is, you know there is I mean? some of that maturing that's I think happened, but yeah, I'm going to call you out on, on the Apple thing because you and I have had conversations where like, I can't believe these people. I've been arguing with these people about this certain thing. And I'm like, why do you mm-hmm. care about that thing? Well, it's just ridiculous. And like, this isn't a criticism of you because I'm in that mm-hmm. way with other topics that yeah. bug the crap out of me. Um, but that specific thing I know is a hot button for you. It's a and, hot and, button. Yeah. And it's hard to pull away from that and go like, I'm not going to participate in this thing because I see myself having these emotional responses to it. And it's unimportant. That's really hard. Well, would you like to know what has happened recently, Gabe? I, I would love I'll to know you. you hate your MacBook. No, <laughs> no, no, actually, um, I, uh, it, this is, this is very uh, timely considering what I just said about Twitter, but I actually just, I, I left a lot of the chat rooms and Slack channels mm. and all of those things that would say things that I would be, I realized that I was listening to them and almost found that aggravation as an entertainment for myself. Yeah. The, it, you know it's still I mean? stimulation, even though it's negative. Yeah, even though it's negative, right? So they would say something and I would disagree with them and then I would keep reading because I still disagreed with them and I would I would respond back if I felt like it was too ri- ridiculous to let go, but then I started thinking, well, if I wasn't reading any of this, <laughs> uh I wouldn't I wouldn't be perturbed and yeah. they could say whatever dumb things they want to say or be as cranky as they wanted to be it, because what I was getting from that conversation wasn't useful to me and it certainly wasn't helpful to me. And so it is, it's the same way. Um, I would say it's a little bit more direct, but it's similar to, you know, having to take a bit of a a break from reading the news or something Mm -hmm. when you just kind of hit this, this wall of bad news constantly. I think it does have a major effect and you and I would pass articles around, um, after the election about how people who didn't read any news describe the world and like how they still have heard about big events and they, they just mm-hmm. weren't ang- angry all day long yeah. because of, of whatever the current focus was, uh, you know? And so I actually started kind of dipping back into the news and trying to get more in, not interested, but like just informed enough to start doing things to help um, and, and you know, it, it's, it's really kind of this dance back and forth because some days I just don't want to deal with it. Some days I'm interested and, um, no, I'm, so, I'm, still, you, you I'm know, still like 
uh, full Actively of rage. Actively avoiding. Yeah, I'm still still <laughs> massively full of rage, and I still avoid the news. Some of it seeps through the cracks, but I'm I'm mm-hmm. still still full of rage when. But, my daughter but comes that said, home, though, my eight year old daughter comes home and mm-hmm. says, uh, "I don't understand why um, everybody treats women so poorly." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't understand either, sweetie. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, uh, I am. You're you're our hope for the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had a similar kind of conversation with somebody who was a uh, Trump voter um, and talked about how he was great, etc. And it was very similar kind of. I had to approach it like, what what do you tell your daughter? when she asked those mm-hmm. questions, like those exact questions. And that this person, they, they, they thought for a minute and they said, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. Oh, this is a great transition very, to the third episode. Cause the third exactly. episode, this is where I'm, third episode was where I'm very going. Satisfying, but also an extremely bitter pill in, in one regard. But before we go there, I want to stop and thank mm-hmm. our sponsor. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. <laughs> Thanks, Nate, for this funk brewing. And this is citrus phenomenal. <laughs> Freaking unbelievable! This is this um, is a top top beer for me. It's smooth and you know what's interesting, fantastic. Um, I am kind of on a diet. This is the first beer I've had in like four days. So man, what a way to break the seal wow. on beers! Which makes it even is, better. It's like the Eddie Murphy uh, cracker. Uh, Joe, you remember his? Do you did you watch Eddie Murphy in the eighties? What are you talking about? Oh, I remember Eddie Murphy. Yeah, in the yeah. 80s, yeah, and his uh, big stand-up skit about uh, getting a cracker. If you're starving, even even a saltine tastes amazing. Tastes delicious. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, so you got so that like added effect. Me a, this is like throwing me the best, the best, uh, the best cracker ever made. Is yeah, what this, this is, is this, this is, is fantastic. Amazing. Okay, episode three. Um, I I started off like so. Episode three starts with a little bit of like you know rehash on 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 some mm-hmm. studies that were really interesting and how they try to decouple the studies from current political events and stuff like that and and just try to measure these effects but the point of episode 3 is like is there hope <laughs> like as a species are we just doomed mm-hmm. because we yeah. can't be convinced of new facts of the world and it, I found it really interesting because, <clears throat> you know, it's this is old politics now, so it's there's fewer people personally invested in it. But the whole thing about, like, the Iraq War and weapons of mass destruction and all that and how mm-hmm. um, they were trying to understand why there's this group of people that refuse, seem, seemingly refuse to accept the new facts about, like, there were no weapons of mass destruction. Like, that mm-hmm. that was false. And that no matter how many times they're told, it, it makes no difference. <clears throat> like no matter right. what the facts are, that even if they look at you and say, yes, I understand that that's true, that then you say, well, okay, do you still believe there was mass destruction? And they're like, yeah, I still believe that. <laughs> My original position right. is true. In fact, I believe it even more strongly. So that was a great start. But then they get into like how to counteract this when you're having a discussion. And the bitter pill I'm speaking of is going to get to what you just said you did. The bitter mm-hmm. pill was don't give up. Like if you're yeah. trying to convince someone that you that you care about, first of all, they didn't say this, but this was my 
like added <laughs> like condition. You have to care about changing their mind. Games right? editorial. You know, like if you know if I don't care about the person, I'll just let them keep believing dumb things. I don't don't doesn't matter to me. But like that, you can't give up because they determine that there's a tipping point that mm-hmm. at about forty percent fact new facts. Like if you're if forty percent of the information you're exposed to is is new facts supporting a new position, that's when people will start changing their internal story about this thing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> little almost seemingly unexplainable tricks of like uh, he likened it to a table. Like all of your your identity, everything about how you feel about yourself is sitting on top of a table and you know, one of the legs is you, this strong opinion you hold. You can't yank the ta- the leg out of the table and expect somebody to be okay with that. It just doesn't work. So you give them support in another area. Like um, the one that I thought was a great example was some people are really pro, really in favor of free market. And he's like, if you approach that where you have them relate a story where they felt really good about the free market, and then you follow that up with something about climate change of like, well, sure. Free market's great. That's an awesome story and congratulations and whatever, you know, um, now let's talk about climate change and how that's not necessarily at odds with free market that that good feeling they had about the free market will carry over into the discussion about climate change. And that's how you Mm -hmm. give them a new leg, a new pillar that supports their identity because they they just feel good about this other piece of their identity. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was inc- incredible advice and like, oh, that's mm-hmm. you know, somewhat like the shit sandwich when you're a manager and, and you learn the, yeah. you learn this shit sandwich where you start with something good about the person and then you give them the negative thing and then you end with something good and it's like a way mm-hmm. to kind of keep their ego supported while you give them this critical feedback kind of thing. Right. Um, right. I, I thought that was fantastic advice. The part about needing to keep at it, I didn't like. <laughs> like clearly, I didn't yeah. like because that felt like well, what I'm trying to do is like avoid it, it for the same reason that I didn't like it, which is that I'm tired of doing it. Like I'm tired of arguing with people who I feel like don't they aren't going to take it on board anyway. You know, uh, we mm-hmm. have this um, this relative. Uh, that when we would go to Thanksgiving, uh, this relative, he was, uh, he, he was like a old guy, um, major Fox news viewer. So he, all of his ideas were informed by that. Right. And so whatever the narrative was, um, he would just corner you. Yeah. It makes it fairly then, predictable. <laughs> yeah. And, and kind of bludgeon you with the, the, whatever he saw on the news that day. And, um, I was, I had had a whiskey or two, I'll admit. And uh, he started in on whatever his topic of the day was. And I was just going back and forth with him. I felt like I was kind of giving valid counterpoints to everything that he had brought up. And let me guess, it seemed like he became more sure of his original... Yeah, position like the he, more effects yeah like, that's called the backfire effect <laughs> yeah exactly and he wouldn't come around to my and i obviously was trying to remain very calm and reasoned and say oh well it's interesting that you would say that because this is blah 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 um and when i left the room uh everybody else 
by the way, had cleared the room. Of course, doing that's this. not something that people <laughs> enjoy. Like, this, I don't want to be in the middle mm-hmm. of this. And uh, so I left, and there, and everyone who knows him much better than me is like, I don't. Why did you do that? Like he's yeah. never going to change yeah. his mind. Yep. And I and it goes. And I thought of this episode, right? Like that is what came up because I'm thinking, if no one ever challenges his assumptions. He will never think anything differently because he has no reason. But to. that's the thing, but, like yeah. y- y- that that um, incident, the compulsion won't, yeah. won't change that because he's because Correct. so much more of his time is spent consuming this other media source that let's let's admit, like they call themselves entertainment, right? So right. it's not concerned with facts; it's ent- entertainment. If that is 99% of the input, your 1% isn't going to make a difference. That's what that's what the third episode of this podcast was about, is right. it needs right. to be sustained over a long period of time and constitute a pretty significant portion of the input on that topic. Like, Correct. Yeah, that, which I find, I, you know, it was kind of like he led this in episode 95 as a, as a light at the end of the tunnel. But I actually didn't feel a lot better about it because... Like you said, if someone watches Fox News 23 hours a day, my one hour, one day out of the year is <laughs> yeah. not going to change yeah. well, they, they, his opinion. They highlight that. They say this is unfortunately on the, on, on the shoulders of the elites. That It is the elites in the media that's their job to make sure that the flow of information is correct and factual. And that the information we receive is of high quality and that it isn't right. quote entertainment. Like that is a failure. Um, it is. So to some degree, it, they, they took the responsibility off your shoulders, Jeff. Well, they did, but it, it doesn't make me feel any better because, because that is the, re- the responsibility of those folks who are kind of shoveling the, the coal mm-hmm. into the furnace. Um, what I fear will happen in our current climate is that if the if the news organization that's feeding it, and it could be either side, MSNBC or Fox or whatever, if either side decides that this is just what they want to keep shoveling, um, or if, rather if they want to change and become more centrist and balanced and give more facts, the people who crave that uh, validation – We'll just go someplace else. Yeah, it's but there will be a limit. Extreme. So to some degree, what I was playing in my head is they're talking about the elites and media. I was actually saying like, you know what? Uh, this is on you, Mark Zuckerberg. This is this is on mm-hmm. you, Twitter. <laughs> like whoever's in mm-hmm. charge at Twitter. I don't know anymore. Um, this is on you. A bunch this of monkeys your, throwing this feces. Is, this is on your shoulders <laughs> to make sure that you're not an entertainment outlet when it comes to news. That you're you have some way to con- to combat that and uh and i think that in the bigger sense that maybe we all play a little role in in that feedback right like you you mentioned that per- that particular person probably let me guess doesn't get out much doesn't have a lot of conversations with new people or strangers right yeah, right? yeah. um but somebody who does if they encounter enough people throughout the day that you know have this particular perspective on things and that comes up over and over, then that is a sustained input of this information. And and they didn't really get into like the whole thing of like, 
how you respond to new facts from your own tribe, which I thought would have been interesting. They didn't really, because I I do think that like where the facts come from matter too. And it matters in a lot of ways because, you know, a person is much more apt to take something on board. If someone who they know and trust is giving them that information, um, because it's not an affront to their physical well-being, you know, like their, their identified well-being. Did you see the thing about Balmer? In his um, US facts, USAFacts.gov. No, tell me. I, I saw org. a brief mention about it, but tell, tell, tell so me and everybody else. This is one where else. Like, I, was clear, I clearly started with the um, backfire effect of my own. So, Steve Ballmer, um, the story goes, and I think there's a New York Times article that I read about this, was that um, he was looking for something to do after he retired and bought a basketball team or something or whatever he does. Um, and his wife is involved in a lot of charity work and she suggested, you know, something around the lines of charity. And he, he like, by his own admission was like, I don't, you know, the poor get so much help from the government. I pay tons of taxes. They don't need me doing this other stuff. And, and, and it was her feedback of like, you're wrong on a bunch of levels here. <laughs> like they don't get tons <laughs> of support and a lot of your tax money doesn't go to that. And da, 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 and she laid all these things. And so he decided to, um, try and answer this for himself by compiling data and discovered how hard it was to get unbiased data. So he set up all these parameters of like, it couldn't, it had to come directly from the government. It couldn't come from a political support group. So mm-hmm. that it couldn't be biased. It had to be actual factual data. And then he went about like casting his net as wide as possible so that they weren't biased in the questions they were asking. So it's like all kinds of data about how much people are paid, what they're paid to do from both the local to the state to the federal level. So that you get this continuum so you can see how money flows, you know, like throughout all of these things. Um, And it was, so my own backfire effect was like, you know, this is another, it's going to be a story of a rich dude that uh, decided to tabulate how much his tax dollars are spent on poor people, right? Because I hear, I've read many, many stories about that exact thing of like, I I pay so much in tax and it goes to all these lazy people. Um, I was like, oh, great. Here we go. Now another, another billionaire complaining about how much tax he pays for poor people to um, mm-hmm. stay alive. And so I didn't really want to read it. And somebody, somebody that we both know was like, no, you should, you should read it. And you know, mm-hmm. so the, the whole tribe effect, <laughs> right. He's somebody in my tribe. And I was like, okay, yep. well, fine. He's a smart person. Yep. whose opinion you trust. I too, will read right? it. And so. I read it and it did change some of my opinions about the, um, scenario, but you could also see the backfire effect with with Balmer in there too of like he initially didn't want anything to do with charity because you know who who cares it's you know for poor people and I'm rich and I pay taxes and that's my contribution right. and then he started parsing all of this data and realizing like holy smokes not only was my original position maybe not true but uh now he seems to be swinging over the other way of like oh these tax breaks are actually subsidies for the wealthy like the, oh, these really? different things, like even mortgage tax breaks, right? Of like you, your mortgage tax break is subsidizing your you because you're affluent and you can have a mortgage. And right. it doesn't subsidize poor people who can't have mortgages, right? 
And so hmm. that was an interesting like turn in this story of like he he initially dug in and then decided to unpack this and and align the facts and and now he's potentially coming out the other side of being like, oh, this is why people become philanthropists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I I, I did uh, I did get the gist of that, but not that kind of in depth. Um, angle like i when i read about it and his idea of collecting all of this unbiased data i thought that is actually pretty helpful but i guess my my cynical view came up and i don't want to get political here but i'll just give, give an late. example of yeah <laughs> well i know Both but here's an example good. of why i think it doesn't matter as much as i'd like it to is there was some sort of a there was a healthcare debate recently and there's a congressional budget office that gives these scorecards for, you know, bills that are about to go through. And the, the, the Republicans insisted that this needed to be done during the entirety of the Obamacare, you know, the American health, uh, American, the ACA. Um, and they insisted on this scorecard from the CBO and it was, we need unbiased data. We don't need these liberals telling us what the numbers are going to be. But now that the shoe's on the other foot, the CBO is a bunch of nonsense, and they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's like, but but there are numbers that point to facts, yeah. right? Like I think that's what we're getting at, and I think it's useful that Balmer Balmer is doing that. But the thing with the the CBO score and the Congressional Budget Office taught me that. You know, it doesn't matter. You can still reject the facts. facts are. Yes, that's yeah. true. But which um, I think is kind of where we are, and it's a weird place where you can say this objective number is an objective number, and people can be like, "Yeah, yeah but true. you can still not. You're still manipulating it somehow, just because they choose to put that message out there." Well, okay, I, I that's the stuff that makes me really frustrated. A couple things though. So in the third in the third episode of the podcast, that they they talked about it's important for us to all have the same set of facts to pull from. Even right. if we selectively choose them, the pool is still the same, same facts. And we have agreed subconsciously or whatever, like this, these are the truths that we will draw from for our opinions. The danger of uh, all this, you know, discussion of fake news and artificial information, manufactured information is that we're pulling from different pools we we live in different realities, like different sets of rules or different sets of facts apply based on what we've decided right. to pull from. So the benefit right. to, to what Balmer's doing is he's potentially creating a pool of data that is, if it's, you know, agreed that this is unbiased and this is factual, yes, one group can slice it one way and say, like, we're spending way too much on housing for poor people that don't want to work. And another group can slice and say, we're we're uh, not having you know billionaires pay their fair share for keeping uh, our economy running, right? And well, I think I think what's good about Balmer doing this is because the left wing will say it's just another rich billionaire providing data, and the other side will say you know that he's been corrupted by this left wing influence or whatever. But if he is he's kind of coming from both sides, right? So he was a rich billionaire who's kind of saying, "Oh wait, I need to." He's still a rich I billionaire. Think I need to, he's still <laughs> that doesn't change, right? But it's 
but he's kind of thinking outside of that by pulling together these kind of quote unquote neutral facts that if they can become this, like you said, unbiased, I mean, everything's kind of biased, you know, like the, where do the numbers come from, et cetera, et cetera. You can dig down into all of that. And there's this whole idea of poisoning the well of information and straw man and all that stuff. But I think it's better than nothing, right? Like if, if the only, did I tell you, did I tell you the story? I'm sure I told you, I don't know if I told it on the podcast, but when I was in the hospital, um, the first night before the operation, there was a guy who was sharing the room with me who had Fox News on, just completely blaring it um, 24 hours a day. I think and that's I the only found- way you can watch it. I'm pretty sure that's a rule. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And I found it really interesting that the the level of um, volume and repetition of a specific set of of words. I won't say they're facts, but there is a specific sequence of words that they say <laughs> over and over. strung together. <laughs> sequence from a human mouth strung together, yeah. That it's really not a big surprise that certain people feel like... I always feel like I'm hearing people read from a script when I talk about mm-hmm. this stuff with them. Um, and I think that that that's, goes back to your, you know, who, who the, the folks who are controlling the the media in a way have a huge role to play in in the kind of narrative as we go forward. Well, they, they hit which on is that a very bleak too of the yeah, um, why politicians choose very few talking points and then repeat that over and over. And I found that was um, incredible. Uh, what was the story about? Um, oh. I don't know if I can remember the exact story or analogy that they used, but essentially if you, if you give somebody a fact that turns out to be incorrect and you give them a correction, a large percentage of people will not absorb the correction, mm-hmm. right? They will, oh, I've will seen this, that many, the, same, many times. the same fact will persist. And, uh, they talked about how one of the reasons is because the way the correction is applied is they say, um, you know, oh, remember when I told you, and then you repeat the fact of like, remember when I told you that the reason the sky is blue is because there's, uh, you know, a, a stained glass window up in the heavens, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever it happens to be. It's, yeah. It's, remember when I told you that? Well, that's not true. What the brain is doing unconsciously is it has repeated that first quote fact and then while it's processing that, it's disregarded the correction that mm-hmm. followed it. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. That is yeah. that idea of like you've actually reinforced the fact by stating the correction. That it's mm-hmm. important that if you have a correction, that it isn't preceded by restating the false the incorrect fact. <laughs> Like that, that yeah. can't be the thing. Because you've just underlined it for that yes, person right the, before you. That the way you, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had a a story well about is is really about updating facts, and it was one of those things where my I was just so gobsmacked by that this happening. Is I had a friend who um, he was inter- interviewing for a job um, that had just been vacated by a guy who was fired, who was like stealing from the company. He's a piece of garbage human being, and so he was let go, uh, fired. And the guy who, uh, who was a friend of mine who was interviewing for the job, um, who was a you know, really nice guy, um, 
we weren't understanding what the resistance was to them hiring this guy. And then I found out that someone had sent an anonymous uh, Word document containing a chat transcript with someone in my office and this guy about the CEO and what a terrible person they were and, you know, all of these facts. What? And it, is this it was, a real thing? This is really... a real story. It's a real story. Wow. I couldn't believe it. So this Word document was like, I, you know, it was sent to the CEO saying, I, I found, I thought you might find this useful um, in, you know, consideration of this person or whatever. And so um, everyone had kind of taken on board on our management committee, I guess that this, they had passed it around and they were like, Oh my God, this is terrible. We can't hire this person. And someone uh, who was a little bit more tech savvy on the management committee looked in the Microsoft word info page, you know, like they have like the little info of the document yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then, and the name of the owner of the document was the guy who had been fired. <laughs> So well, that's some clever detective work yeah, there. Son. Yeah, really. But so, so obviously this guy was trying to, you know, poison the well against this guy who he didn't like and whatever. So they confronted, uh, the person who was in the chat grant transcript and this other guy. And they were like, I, this is madness. I don't know what this is from. And it was determined that this other guy had sent the trans quote unquote made up transcript to, you know, badmouth them. So fast forward two years later, after this guy, my friend had been hired, he worked out great. Uh, everyone who, like the CEO, had realized at the time that this was a bunch of lies. And um, I was talking to somebody on the management committee about my friend who had been working there and he'd recently left. And they were like, yeah, I mean, I actually was really surprised that they hired him after all those chat transcripts they sent over. <laughs> like, yeah, they'd never updated like, their internal They'd never uh, updated their sheet. mental yeah. model that this was, and they'd been living with that mental model for years with this person. I'm thinking, how did their, how did their interactions, how were their interactions colored? Yeah. You know, when they had these, these talks with this person, like, were they in the back of their mind thinking, like, I know what you sent? Like, did they find out like, and I was like, you know, that was, that was not true. Like that whole mm-hmm. tra- chat and, and they were like, oh yeah, I do kind of remember somebody mentioning that. Like, but it, you know, they probably, they oh, probably yeah. were like, Hey, you yeah, know yeah. what, you know what we told you before? It's not true. And like the whole time they're thinking, oh yeah, I do remember what you told me before and never updated their mental model. And that was one of the first, you know, times where it was like, I, I it came home to me that. Even like the fact that something is put out there, true yeah. or not, just, just correcting something isn't enough. It so is not very enough. often like it, very difficult to change people's minds because once you've taken that on it, now that belief was a part of their mental makeup uh-huh. that this guy's a jerk who sends terrible well, transcripts. Look at, look, and says, look at the yeah. anti-vaccine stuff, right? I mean, oh, it was proven and whatever, send, send email. I don't care. That's like, Silly. Um, <laughs> it was proven unequivocally that all of the quote data was fabricated and the guy should have been disgraced for everything that he did. But because it became such a piece of people's identity, of like, right. this has to be true because this is who I am. I am an anti vaccine person, that even the correction 
while it what probably wasn't a strong enough correction because the the outrage was much stronger than the the correction was like you know a blip on the bottom of a newspaper um, that it wasn't you know just the correction's not enough even seeing that it's just immediately wiped away and that that's that is a little bit terrifying that's the way we are as a species yeah you know, exactly and it's that stuff makes me so frustrated but uh, you know I don't know I just, I have to be uh, more – and let's go back to the first episode and when we were talking about that, you know, go full circle, is that I have to try and be much more cognizant of my own brain's reaction to information. You know, like, yeah. like as the information is coming in, question it and then question my reaction to it. It doesn't mean um, that you're saying that you have to assume you're always wrong. I think that no, that he's he, in his his show, which has been around a long time now. He repeatedly highlights like this doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that you need to be aware that there's lots of different ways you can be wrong. <laughs> but that mm-hmm. um, it, as long as you determine that you're not actually suffering from these particular issues, that you know you should you should be able to disprove any accusation about like why you might be wrong if you are actually correct. And I Mm -hmm. I just, I find that really interesting of like breaking down the whole, like you might be wrong just because not just because you have the wrong information, but because you've actively rejected absorbing the right information. That's that's hard to take because I'm sure I'm guilty. I'm absolutely positive. I'm guilty of that. The the fact that Mm -hmm. every person suffers from that, I'm not (laughs) unique. Right. No, Not special. exactly. And I do think that there's something to be said about the, 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 the other subtopics where it, he was laying out that like, listen, you won't be able to convince some people in a conversation that climate change is real. Like some people, you could, you could literally tell them facts for eight hours straight and they'll leave they as firmly believe. They could live in knowing. Oklahoma, suffering through daily <laughs> earthquakes, yes. and still deny it's caused by fracking. Mm-hmm. Right, that's possible. Just gonna say, <laughs> yeah, and and I think that is the conversation I've had with you know, coworkers who are you know have wild, let's just say have wildly divergent opinions from my own. (laughs) Um, you know, I never felt like at any point in my conversations with them, they were going to, that light bulb was going to go on and they're going to be like, Oh my God, you're so right. What was I thinking? And, and this backfire effect series really made me feel better because I felt like, yes, I feel like a madman that I can't convince these people. Like, I feel like I'm going crazy, but now I understand why. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they, they weren't about to change their mind anyway, you know? I'll tell you some, um, of, the, some of the reason I avoid the news is because I made a, a conscious choice to consider I wasn't right and, mm. and step away and say, like, let's see how it goes, right? Like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe this will be actually really good. Um, as it turned out, 
that hasn't been um, revealing itself. <laughs> that scenario. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also not surprised. I also don't feel like if I had paid closer attention to the news, I would feel better um, mm-hmm. that you know that that you I were going to feel better about it, the world. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's basically it's turning out how I had f- thought it might. Um, mm-hmm. It it isn't turning out to be like oh it actually was fine. Everything's everything's a okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did consciously. Decided to exclude the news because I felt it was maybe uh, satisfying to hear things that I agreed with, and I wanted to see what was going to happen without without hearing that over and over. Like you're mm. totally correct on this, and don't worry about it. Anything that anything that because you know I saw through the Obama administration anything that was positive that happened, it was tried to. Yeah, you know, somebody tried to spin it as like, well, it's mm-hmm. not really positive. It's really actually right. terrible, and right. it's really terrible because of this other thing that we <laughs> decided is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and do, I didn't want to be that, that. It's the same. Yeah, I was going to say, do you find it's the same? You're not reading the news or experiencing it right now, but I, I'm I am actually trying to question whenever I see something that's negative about the Trump administration and think to myself, is it? the lens that I'm getting this information through that is making it seem like this thing that is actually not that bad is, is, is bad or, you know, like to try and Mm -hmm. just to try and question, is it the lens through which I'm viewing this, this quote unquote fact or the situation that is um, uh, kind of changing my expectations around, you know, or is it just, do I feel good because it's reaffirming my, my, my feeling about this stuff? And I'm trying to be much more um, uh, like well-rounded in the information I get. And, and I'm not diving back into the news by any stretch. I mean, I, I was listening to, during the election, a lot of podcasts. I've canceled all of those. Um, and I've kind of taken a turn towards um, much more science-based podcasts, you know, similar to this one, but things that are apolitical and a, you know, not related to the news at all. Um, I I mean, actually, you know, it it has been helpful, like kind of uh, examining my view of my lens of news. I would say that I don't, it doesn't make me feel any better. Like there haven't been news stories where I'm like, you know, I triangulate it through several sources and it still looks bad to me, unfortunately. Well, okay. Here's a challenge. We don't have to do it now because yes. the show's already, let's come back to some, some point and highlight something that we were wrong about. Oh boy. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a painful challenge, but, uh, it might, might be worth revisiting, it. revisiting at some point to say mm-hmm. like it could be a follow up for the yeah, next this, show. This is a, this is a the piece that I was definitely wrong about, or that I feel like my opinion has changed. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Like here's what convinced me. I think that would be useful. Well, uh, be- according to this uh, <laughs> this these this series of podcasts, it won't be one thing. <laughs> right. It'll be exactly. a sustained level of counterpoints for a long yeah, period of time. But there may be one thing that kind of, uh, you know, 
would push you over the edge of like, oh boy, okay, well, I guess this is what's going to take to convince me that this. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to think about that one. Um, what do you think about this beer? Well, do I have it to is convince you of fantastic. That? Solid A on this. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's so creamy and delicious. Mouthfeel. Thank you, Nate. It's got oh, a great mouthfeel. Oh, yeah. Nate loves that word. He'll really enjoy the fact that you said that. <laughs> Nate, um, no one has ma- no one gives me mouthfeel like you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is so wrong. I was going to ask you if there are any apps that you've picked up recently that you like. No, no, <laughs> no. Have you stopped buying apps? I haven't actually bought an app for a while. There's a let's yeah. see, a game I got. Com- I think it's called Kami Two. It's like a Weird thing where you have to like try and fill in the screen with colors by tapping like an area that's a different color, and you get so many moves mm. to do it. It's 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 weird. Um, I've had um, so there is a game that I heard about on a podcast, and I tried it, and I like it. It's called Type Shift. Oh yeah, it's a yeah, word I heard game. About this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty neat one. I'd never heard of it before, probably because I'm avoiding news. The other thing I decided to do is uh, do some crosswords. Crosswords? I've ne- yeah, I've never done crossword puzzles hmm. because okay. I would always try it. And I'm like, that hint is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to um, – I, I, I feel like I need something that is a – we talk about distractions many times and i feel like i don't want to just reach for my phone and look at a social network so i haven't done that in a really long time mm-hmm. and so it's like but i still reach for my phone it's reflexive you know <sighs> yeah and so, i'm right there with you it kills me i'm yes. like i run out of things to do i'm like i yeah. don't know and, what and, and you should just now. stare and look at things and whatever I used to just cruise um, but- twitter <laughs> yeah exactly so i thought to myself what if I could do something that I was never good at and try and get good at it. And crosswords is one of those things. I think it's a good idea to like, it it really kind of twists your brain a little bit and I enjoy thinking about words and whatever. Um, so I actually, you know, subscribed to the, um, the New York times daily crossword app and was weird is I had this thought and I downloaded the app and they give you a bunch of free ones. I'm doing it. And I told my wife and she goes, Oh my God. I was just thinking about the exact same thing mm-hmm. and downloaded that app and she was doing them as well, like completely separate. I don't yeah. ask her what she does on her phone. Ever. So we actually have been trying to like help each other with hints and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I've, I've always, I haven't just like not done crosswords. I actively dislike them. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, that was me. That won't be you know, my thing. <laughs> I can guarantee. Yeah. I spent a lot of time <laughs> randomly cruising Wikipedia. That's the, honestly, oh, that's I do bad. a lot that's of pretty that. Good. Um, mm-hmm. what is it? What is the app I use there? Uh, Wikipanion has a pretty good mechanism for mm-hmm. hitting, like just having it randomly choose a page. You just mm-hmm. hit a, hit a button and then a random page comes up. Um, and if you go into like the Wikipedia app itself, you can get like the, a list of the most popular, which usually is a bunch of garbage, honestly, mm-hmm. and stuff like, Kim Kardashian or some TV show I don't watch or some actor or some soccer yeah, player or something that like people that. People care about that we don't care yeah, about. Yeah, but no. um, every once in a while it's something really interesting, like uh, you know, 
uh, what was the one I read the other night? I guess there's some show that's going to be coming out, but because of that, everybody's really interested in this person. Uh, Interesting. Henrietta Lacks. So I don't know. I, I, work, I used to work in oncology, so uh, there's a cell line called the HeLa line, and that's where the HeLa comes from. Is Henrietta Lacks the first two letters? Oh, first name. First two letters were the last name, and like she had this special cell line that has. I don't think most people are aware of, but like most of cancer research, a huge portion of cancer research has been dependent upon that one cell line and its special properties and the human genome uh, couldn't have been deciphered if it weren't for that one cell line. And like this one person is just unknowingly because no one told her that they were taking Mm -hmm. her cell line and doing this with it. Um, unknowingly altered the history of mankind with this, you know, wow. With this, this That's interesting. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Very crazy. So see, um, Wikipedia I, is not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. Uh, I did find an app. I, I heard about it somewhere cruising the internet called outflow. Um, I sent you a screenshot of it. It basically is a way to, you add all of your subscriptions to it. And you and I have talked oh, about this many times. that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You and I have talked about this many times, like how do we budget for it and whatever. Um, Gro- money going, well is what we're Going broke $5 using. at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very elucidating. Let's put it that way. I put in every subscription that I have, and this gives you a weekly, monthly, and yearly breakdown of how uh-huh. much you're spending. Yeah. Um, it gives you a reminder when it's coming up. It orders them by, you know, when they're do and gives you a time, you know, it reminds you if you want to cancel it beforehand. Um, yeah, those are the bonuses. Cause I use a, um, spreadsheet for that for my whole list, but you know, it's a lot of work to break all that down right. and then go check it and do all that. So I can see the benefit of something just kind of reminding you, like, are you sure you still need this subscription? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty useful. And, and it's not something I really, uh, it took a lot of time to put it in there, but I think that is just indicative of how many subscriptions I have, right? Like the, having that knowledge of um, what I'm doing uh, is always really helpful because it, it, it's really easy to add a $5 a month thing and say, well, oh, that's right. I, I'll just cancel that like in a month or I'll do the trial and cancel the next only, month Remember when the only subscription anybody had was a newspaper? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. And they came to yeah. your door and collected it every week? Yeah, I remember. Oh. I actually just got a Sunday newspaper subscription. To do, it's delivering tomorrow for the first time. What? Yeah. Well, yeah. Didn't, it, didn't you just talk about not reading the news? Yeah. This is much more about the like the cultural stuff. Comics. That, <laughs> yeah, it's the comics. No, I want to try the trial and see. You know, it's something that we both talked about doing of having something that is not reading the news or culture pages or blogs or anything. Just something we're going to sit together, drink some coffee, sit at the dining room table, and kind of have some. You know, yeah. I get the time. I get the New Yorker delivered. Mostly because mm-hmm. I just wanted to give money to the New Yorker. Oh um, well, yeah, this is this is an extension of my my doing that. Hmm. Right, this is yeah. this is an extension of that whole thing because I'm getting the New Yorker too. And um, I do I do find know, it nice to sit down and like fold back a New Yorker and, and read. Yeah, one, I only yeah, read like one article in the whole whole thing each, each well, delivery. Here's what's discouraging, and not in a 
necessarily a bad way, and we're going off topic by far here. But um, you subscribe to New Yorker, you get the print magazine. Uh, I didn't realize until listening to the Sam Harris podcast, he had a, a guest on that writes for the New Yorker. And the web and print, because I read the web stuff all the time on New Yorker, thinking that it's the same stuff that's going to be in print, so I'm kind of reading it anyway. He's like, no, those are totally different things. Like, yeah. Almost, there's almost never, there's not a lot of overlap. I, I didn't really there. realize that. I didn't know they were totally different things. I thought they were like a distillation of the online went into the yeah, print. that's what I thought too. Uh, and it, he said that all of his articles have never been in print, and yet they're always online. And oh, I was like, wow. Crazy. And now he was a scientist. No, you just broke my brain now because I Me thought, too. <laughs> thought I was a-okay. I was like, oh, you read the print one. That's the best of whatever they put online. Exactly. And he's a big science guy. So I thought that, you know, I thought, well, this guy's a New Yorker contributor. He's going to be in the New Yorker magazine. And he's like, actually, no. Um, none of my science articles have ever been in print. So mm. that's something to think about. That may, that means I have to double my reading every wow. week. Yeah, that is interesting. So anyway, cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just going to go off and finish this, sit in a corner and finish this beer. Uh, I'm going to go oh take a nap God. now. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, this was um, – you know what? I'm, I'm picking up it's the mango now. It's only 8%. Now. That's only, only really? 8%. It was, this is, uh, drinks like a big beer. It's, it it does well because it has that imperial in front of the name. I thought it was going to be like an eleven percenter. I thought it was going to be completely blotto, but I feel fine. So go figure. I want another one. <laughs> so do I. I want a four pack <laughs> of this stuff. All right, man. So will you good. go enjoy the rest of your? I beer? I did manage to save some for my wife to try, so I feel like a hero. Yeah, my now. wife's going to get to try this. I've stuff too. I've, uh, I've done a great thing. I'm a great man, Jeff. <laughs> You're a great man. I'm a sad, update. I'll update sad, my mental model then. Great man. <laughs> All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. See you.